Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Cobra Kai. I'm Jason Connell, documentary filmmaker, churn podcaster. And I'm Sal Rodriguez, comedian and toy collector. So here we are. This is episode five, Counterbalance, yes. 9.0 rating on IMDb. Oh, wait, is that higher than the other ones? Yeah, it's one of the higher ones. Really? Yeah, pretty good episode. It almost brought me to tears. In fact, it did bring me to tears, I'll be honest. Yeah, with there's you. a moment. There we'll, is a moment. We'll get to that. Yeah. So I know that you recently ordered this Karate Kid toy. Yeah, it is the action figure two-pack of Johnny and Daniel facing off at the All-Valley Karate Tournament made by NECA, which is National Entertainment Collectibles Association. It's so fantastic. I'm so excited to see it and get my hands on it. And I am waiting and chomping at the bit. It is not here yet. So is it because of the show Cobra Kai you think these toy companies are now reissuing Karate Kid merchandise? I don't know. That's a very good question because I think that I heard about the Karate Kid 2-pack coming out right around the same time as I heard about Cobra Kai coming out. So, yeah, they might have just started opening up licenses because I don't think before this series of figures that we have out right now by NECA that we've had any real good legitimate Karate Kid action figures. When I say good and legitimate, I'm referring to today's standards of toys, not necessarily right. 80s standards. There may be figures from the 80s, but you know, Action figures have evolved over the years. The action figures today are way better than when we were kids. Wow. So in a way, I'm making up for lost time because when I see an action figure today, one of my thoughts is, we didn't have toys like this when I was a kid. We had cheap stuff, comparatively speaking. So this two-pack that's coming out, never before seen. Nothing has existed like this before. So why is it not a three-pack and throw Miyagi in there? Or the referee there in the middle. Yeah, Artho Alley in there. Make it a four-pack, five-pack. Well, actually, they do have separate single-pack Miyagi separate single pack Daniel and then they have the two pack of Daniel and Johnny and then they have a single figure of Johnny in the skeleton costume that it looks fantastic exciting well, all right I'm also excited to get into this episode so we begin with Miguel he wakes up and he goes right into training mode some push-ups in his room cut to Cobra Kai studio and he's still doing push-ups and all of a sudden we got like a montage going on and he's training with Johnny so we see Miguel getting better. We see Johnny's creativity introducing a baseball pitching machine oh, training. Brutal. That looked majorly brutal. Because I think he's using actual baseballs. Oh, yeah. He's oh. taking Miyagi training to a whole other level. <laughs> he's taking Crease training to another level. Yeah, Crease was never so creative. <laughs> but, I mean, Crease would probably do something like that if he had the technology today. That's true. And then Miguel sweeps Johnny's leg which is like Johnny's textbook move from the original Karate Kid, yeah. which I really enjoyed. And then, sure. of course, Johnny takes him down. He fires up the baseball machine with the remote and bounces one off his head. Right off his ear. Right off his ear. Yeah. So Miguel's there writhing in pain from his ear. But Miguel's getting pretty tough. I'm impressed with his training. He's really coming a long way. I admire the commitment. You see right now is where the rubber meets the road as far as Miguel's commitment to karate, commitment to Cobra Kai. You see it really taking a stronghold here. Yeah. It's a real turning point for Miguel, I think. He's got a father figure. Johnny's got a son-ish. And there's real bonding. But he's running out of money. He has one student. And so who do we see come in the dojo right after this great montage? A bunch of yoga students coming in who sublease from Johnny. And they start their yoga class, and then they put a big banner over the Cobra Kai verbiage on the wall that says, strike first. Which I think is a bit overstepping a studio <laughs> that you're subletting. What did they say? We need to 
light. What do they say? It, it changed the energy of this yes, room or something. Right. Yeah. And immediately I've taken a lot of yoga and they come in and within five seconds they're in downward dog or they're doing back stretches and they're going at it. So yeah. it was a pretty funny uh, transition. They don't waste any time. They walk in there and start doing their thing. But Johnny's trying to make it work, looking for other revenue streams while he lures in more students. Cut to the Encino Oaks Country Club. And we see Daniel meeting with Armand, who you've probably recognized before. From Borat, right? Exactly. Yes, yes. Ken, I'm going to butcher this last name, but D-A-V-I-T-I-A-N. You want to take a shot at that? No. Okay, me neither. Because <laughs> uh, you're reading it, I can't. Davatian? We definitely recognize this actor from many other films. He's always a pretty good comic relief. And he's the owner of the Reseda Flats mm, over on yes. Victory Boulevard. And Daniel is inviting him to the country club why? He's buttering him up, so to speak. I While he's out, dipping his lobster in butter, no yes, less. Yes, literally. I couldn't figure out if Daniel legitimately wanted to buy the strip mall or if that was part of his plan to just make the strip mall seem exciting and popular so that Armin will raise the rent on Cobra Kai. And I guess Armand wants to get back into becoming a club member. He lost his membership at some point in time. He they, lost his membership at some point. We don't know why, but we find out later in passing. But I like the line from Armin. You want me to scratch your balls? How are you going to scratch my balls? And Daniel's like, I don't think that's how the expression goes. But yeah, pretty funny sequence. And now we see Amanda and Samantha. In my opinion, it's their first mother-daughter moment. Finally, for the first time, I can see... Amanda, that is her daughter. Samantha. Yeah, I don't think we've had any moments like that so far. No, she always pushed it on Daniel, and that's why I really thought she was a stepmother for yes. the first few episodes. So it's nice to establish that rapport. So now we cut to Robbie's bringing home groceries. He's in good spirits. His mother is on her way out, as usual. But she mentions that Johnny wanted to possibly take Robbie in. Which... Well, she's not just on her way out. She's getting ready for a date. She's right. gussied up. She's... Letting us know, the viewer, her priorities yeah. are to get a man. She does say something kind of telling where she goes, oh, Robbie, you're going to grow up one day and go out into the world. So in other words, you're going to dump me anyway. So obviously his mother has some sort of abandonment issues where she thinks people are just going to dump her. Even her own son. And we kind of feel for Robbie here. He got the pizza that she actually likes and he asked her if she wants to watch a movie. And, you know, just he's getting no love. No. He's got no father figure. And his mother's already checked out. Yeah. Yeah, so he really is alone. I mean, we see his juvenile delinquent friends, but whatever. But not in this scene. No. So now we're back to Miguel training at the Cobra Kai Dojo. And Aisha wants to join. Aisha being Sam's friend. And Johnny says, what does he say, Sal? No girls in Cobra Kai. Exactly. So, so. Miguel has to give him a, hey, snap into reality here. He does it a little differently. Miguel, his head salesman takes Johnny in the back room and just says, you know who her father is? And I guess Aisha's father was a Hall of Fame lineman for the San Diego Chargers, now yeah. the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm -hmm. And he says her parents have money and other people would follow. And so Johnny changes his mind, yeah. smartly changes his mind. Sure, you want to get in with the crowd that has the money to pay you. And so what I liked in that scene too is there's a whiteboard in the background. I don't know if you noticed it. And it said, current students, Miguel. <laughs> Empty whiteboard. Pretty that, telling. That's funny. I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> so then Aisha is allowed to join and she shares how she's been cyber bullied. Yeah. Which Johnny 
he says there's no honor in cyberbullying. No. Back in his day, if you have someone to bully, you do it to their face. That's yeah. honor. There's some honor in saying it in somebody's face. So Sal, have you ever been bullied or cyberbullied? So I was never really bullied. Online, however, uh-oh. I did experience pushback when I uploaded my first stand-up comedy video. And we're going back to about maybe 2000, 2001. I uploaded my first stand-up comedy video onto YouTube. And oh boy, the hate. I didn't see where it was coming from. I didn't know why. Well, you were going through your racist it. phase back then, were you? <laughs> no, I wasn't telling any racist jokes yet. But I found it interesting that all these strangers felt the need to insult me. They don't even know me. They don't know who I am. Why are they watching my video at all if they don't like me? If they don't like it, why not just move on like I do? If I don't like something, I just move along. Sort of interesting as a sociological study as well, that people are just willing to sit home and and let the hate out. Wow. I don't feel the need to have to lash out if I don't like a video. Oh, you're not a hater. No. So yeah, I did experience that. But now I'm toughened up. I mean, look at all the years I've been online now on YouTube, on MySpace, on Facebook. So I'm pretty tough now. I'm pretty bulletproof as far as the internet now. If I were a teenager today, experiencing the hate that people can do and perform in social media, oh yeah, it must be pretty rough. You're still on MySpace, aren't you? <laughs> I think I still have a profile I think on we MySpace. all do. So wait, so that's not called cyberbullying. What okay, the, what's I the term for that? It would probably be more trolling than, that's than right. bullying. That's the term. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I definitely have been trolled. But you never did any bullying either. Oh, no, no. I'm not that kind of person. And I was really fortunate. I was never bullied. I guess I'd seen some of it, but really I remembered it from Karate Kid. Yeah. More than anything. Well, there was a lot of bullying going on in 80s movies. Whether it be Revenge of the Nerds. Weren't the weird science guys bullied a little bit? Oh, for sure. Yes. Okay, so bullying, it didn't come out in the social arena so much, this term bullying, but all those 80s movies, people getting bullied. It was like high school hazing. Yeah. Okay, so... Aisha shares her cyberbullying, Johnny's upset about it, and he's ready to train these two Cobra Kai's to fight. Okay, now we're at LaRusso Auto. Daniel's on the phone with Ormond, and he's offering more for receipt of flats. 10% over market value. And Ormond thinks something's going on, declines the offer, and he senses something, as if Daniel has ulterior motives, and Daniel's denied. Armand says something like, I didn't get to my level of success by listening to car dealers or something like that. And I hate this boba. (laughs) Yeah, he tried the boba. A lot of business people don't want to sell their property. They just want to jack up the rent. So much of what's happening in Cobra Kai with the rent in this episode and the lease and the doubling of the rent, that is actually happening all around us, particularly in this area in the San Fernando Valley. A lot of small businesses are being pushed out by landlords jacking up the rent. And unfortunately, renters have no protection. Right. And so, although Armand thinks this receipt of flats is a dump, having someone interested in it makes him reevaluate it. And essentially, he's going to go and jack up that rent. Oh, and Daniel does say to Armand, enjoy pissing in your own shower. And we learn that is how Armand was kicked out of Encino Country Club is by peeing in the shower. Everybody does it. (laughs) At home, maybe. So now we see Yasmin and Moon. They're getting high. And they're getting spooked by the local kind of comedic vagrant. Yeah, she is the one who Johnny originally recruited to be a sign spinner in, was it episode one or two? She was actually in the first episode when Johnny went in and got the pizza at the convenience store. So she pops in and out of lots of episodes. Good character actress, has some recurring work. And then it's kind of a weird scene, but then Sam jumps in the car and it spooks them. 
One of them says, oh my God, we thought you were a poor person. I love that line. So Sam is confronting them because they've given her... They've ostracized her. They invited her to a concert, didn't take her calls, and all of a sudden she's seeing videos of them at the concert. So she wants to know what's going on. Essentially, Kyler told some lies about Sam. Kyler said, you said, you think you're better than us. That's what Yasmin said. Which, of course, Samantha never said that. No. Doesn't everybody know that he's a piece of garbage? And what else did he say? So Kyler has convinced everybody in the school that Samantha gave him a blowjob at the movie theater, which we all know is not true. Absolutely. In fact, she used her karate moves and embarrassed him at the theater. She did make some pretty cool moves. I think at that moment is where we learned, oh, Samantha knows a few karate moves. Absolutely. So we're back at the Cobra Kai Dojo, and it's the first lesson for Aisha. And Johnny has Miguel fight Aisha. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. And Miguel's really standoffish and doesn't want to engage with someone who's never had a lesson. And what happens? Well, he apologized. And then he gives her a front kick and <laughs> knocks her down. But she's tough. Yeah. She gets up and body slams Miguel. Yeah. She does a takedown. Maybe she has a wrestling background. Who knows? Her father's a Hall of Fame football player. She tackles Miguel. That's what she does. Tackles she probably learned him. how to tackle from her dad. That's right. Who's a football player. Who was a lineman. I just figured that out. Okay. So she tackles Miguel, takes him down, and then jumps on him. And I think drops a knee on his chest. And Johnny says, she's a natural. Or natural Cobra Kai. Natural Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah that was a great moment. That was a cr- pretty cool moment. So Armand is yelling with the convenience store owner because he is doubling his rent. And of Mm -hmm. course, Johnny comes in, he hears this yelling, and he finds this out at the same time. And now none of the shop owners know what they're going to do. In fact, I even realized later on, Johnny's paying rent on his apartment and he's paying rent on his dojo. That's double rent. He should just live at the dojo. He's just live at the dojo. I thought of that too. So we cut to Robbie, who is viewing the Cobra Kai website as his mother comes home with a random guy. Probably yeah. not that unusual for Robbie to see. Was that the same guy from the bar scene? No. That was a different guy? Different guy. Oh. So she's trying to hook up. I wonder he, what website she's using. You think she's on Tinder? She probably is on Tinder. And she doesn't even know he's sitting there in the living room. He puts the headphones on. Robbie's mm-hmm. just disgusted. But he is checking out the website. You know there's a level of interest. He's trying to see what Johnny's up to. Now we cut to Johnny at the pawn shop because he's got to make some extra money now because his rent is doubled at the dojo. Was he trying to sell an old issue of Sports Illustrated with Ellen McPherson? Yes, <laughs> that is right. And he had an Atari. Then he busted out some old gold coins. Like Franklin Mint. Yeah, and, and he thought with his letter of authenticity, mm-hmm. he was going to get his 1200 that he needed. And the pawn shop owner said, yeah, 60,000 more of these and you might get your 1200 If you've seen Pawn Stars, you know the deal. Oh, yeah. You go in there thinking you're going to strike it rich on what you're bringing in, but you realize, no, you're not. You might get $5. Yeah. So Johnny's disappointed and just takes the box and leaves. Doesn't sell anything. I like that he goes back to the dojo, looks in his own fridge, there's no beer in the fridge at all. Exactly. No Coors. So Johnny goes to the store, and this is an interesting scene to me, Sal. Daniel comes in and asks for a red spray paint can. Mm -hmm. I think that Daniel went there to try to just see if they sold it. Yeah. And I don't think that a convenience market like that would sell spray paint. But they had it in the back. Yeah, that was interesting. So that's when Daniel realizes, okay, they sell spray paint right next door to the Cobra Kai Dojo. 
That's it. And then he saw Johnny in there. Yeah. I think you're right. I guess initially I thought, did he really stalk Johnny to go in here? But you're right. He was probably going to check it off the list. If they didn't sell it, he could assume maybe Johnny didn't do it, as if Johnny couldn't have got spray paint somewhere else. No. Johnny feels very guilty because he knows what he did. And then to add insult to injury, Daniel pays for Johnny's beer. Yeah. Let's put it on my tab, he says. He's yeah. already feeling guilty about what he did, and he's just kind of defeated. Wait, do you think Johnny feels guilty about drawing the big dick on the billboard? I do in that scene. Really? I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that Johnny is just caught off guard in that moment, holding his beer, being depressed, feeling hopeless, doesn't know if he's going to be able to keep the dojo. He's overwhelmed financially. And then here is the hotshot enemy, still at this point, walking in. I think that what Johnny was feeling was shame about his scenario, not necessarily about the the billboard. That's not what I He's had that happen before, the shame being caught. I think he felt some guilt because he also did that spray painting when he was pretty hammered. Yeah. And I think there's a little regret there. Okay. But now Daniel has his answer. Mm Mm-hmm. He knows in all certainty that it was Johnny that did the spray painting. Yeah. Whatever detective work Daniel went through, he is now satisfied that he has his man. Johnny's the one that drew the dick. Not Not Tom Cole. Not Tom Cole. Now, Daniel's pouring wine for him and Amanda. I like that moment because we go from Johnny buying 12-pack to then cut to Daniel opening up a bottle of wine in his beautiful home with his beautiful wife. Yeah. Those moments of dichotomy, I love those contrasting moments. To add one thing to your story there is Daniel bought Johnny's beer. Yes. Which, to some people, makes matters worse for Johnny. Yes. Because then he feels like, oh, you know, I can't even buy my own beer. So he's pouring this wine, and he shares the flyer, and he explains who tagged his sign and his great plan. Which Amanda does not like. And I really liked Amanda's reaction. She's like, what are you doing? So explain his plan. His plan was to get Cobra Kai's rent jacked up so that they would have to close. That was always his plan. Yeah. And Amanda's like, what are you doing? What about the other shop owners, she said. Yes. And Daniel didn't even think about that for two seconds. No. The convenience store person and anyone else located in the Reseda Flats. What else could be there, I'm thinking? Oh, there's got to be a foot massage place. Liquor store, karate studio, foot massage place. I would assume there'd be a subway there. Mm, yeah, I could see but that. But I guess the convenience store does all the food offerings in these episodes. So. Oh, the delicious pizza of yeah. the Reseda Flats liquor yeah. store. Please come here and have the owner manhandle your pizza. Okay, so one thing about the scene which I thought was interesting was that there's a tight shot of the Cobra Kai flyer, of which we saw in a previous episode when Robbie picked it up. But I looked at it again, and the top is, Learn to Fight. Join Cobra Kai. Not many karate studios promote learn to fight. Yeah. It's more about self-defense or, you know, learn some valuable lessons in life. But Johnny's just driven the crease way, if you will. Yeah. It wasn't like increase the discipline. No. Learn to fight. Learn to kick ass. So Amanda, as you said, is not pleased. And it was a really good point she makes. And she even goes on to say... You know, ever since your childhood nemesis came back into your life, you're embarrassing Sam at the dance, you're kicking Tom Cole's boba out of his hands, whatever you're doing, he needs to stop. Yeah. And she's 100% right. Yeah, because this goes back to the moment in, I think, the first episode when Daniel's in his car, looks over and sees the Cobra Kai dojo for the first time. That's right. And you just see him start to shrink inside. His life went off the tracks. What happens in those moments is, the inner child peeks out. Yep. And so this is now Daniel LaRusso's inner child lashing out. 
because he thinks he's being bullied when really he's not. No. He goes back to the 80s emotionally is what he does. So now we're back at school and Sam is rejected in the cafeteria by the rich girls as well as by Aisha. Aisha doesn't want to sit with her and the rich girls, Moon and Yasmin, don't want to sit with Samantha. So she confronts Kyler in front of everyone. Knocks over his tray, right? Yes. And he sticks to his lie, mentions the billboard penis, and Miguel enters. And what happens? Miguel comes in. I think he says something like, stop being a jerk. And then that's when Kyler says, oh, I can handle your lame-ass karate. He says something like that. And Miguel says... It's not lame-ass karate. It's Cobra Kai. Great line. Great scene. Yeah. And it sets up a pretty damn good fight. Oh, yeah. Miguel kicks ass in this scene. I mean, reminiscent of Johnny kicking these guys' asses in the first episode, right? Yes. So Miguel does what his sensei did earlier. And he's not just fighting Kyler. It's Kyler and company, the guys that have bested him a couple of times. They used to call him Rhea after they poured the Pepto-Bismol on him in the first episode. Rhea short for diarrhea. But he does incredible. He uses karate, tables, food trays. Yes. And all the while... What are kids doing? Everybody's filming it. You know, they're posting it to social media. It's already going viral, yeah. this incredible fight sequence, which in this day and age, if that really happened, it would be a huge deal. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's reality-based. If that really happened, that would go viral. Absolutely. Everybody would be sitting home like, who is this kid? I liked it when Aisha yells, no mercy. Yes. Yeah, really she's into it. Everybody's into it. She Even didn't Cobra physically Kai. help, but she was rooting him on as fellow Cobra Kai student. Okay, so now we are back at the Cobra Kai studio. And Miguel is sharing the news with Johnny about this great fight. Yeah. And Johnny's impressed. Yeah. And so much so, what does he give Miguel? Johnny gives Miguel the gi that he trained in for his first tournament from 1981. And it's a beauty. It's all folded up nice and neat in the back of the car, probably waiting for Miguel to earn this from Johnny. And it was a great moment, I thought. I haven't thought about that word. Johnny was maybe expecting for this moment to happen. Some moment. Yeah, and had that ready. Right. Yeah. Because that was planned. So he presents that to Miguel, and then they give each other a hug. Yeah, like double hugs, fist pumps. He's really proud of his pupil, and probably his first moments of being a father figure. But in the background, who's overseeing this entire exchange? In the background, we see... Robbie, Johnny's son, we don't know why he's there. I guess we assume that he just came to say hello to his dad or just to see the dojo, maybe? Probably did. Okay, so he then spies his dad hugging Miguel, Miguel hugging his dad, and I guess we assume he gets jealous and does not about face and walks the other way. Yeah, because they're in the parking lot. Robbie's on a skateboard and was going to just pop in, see the Cobra Kai studio, sees Johnny's close to another kid of his same age, his peer. Yeah. He just turns and runs. Yeah. You know, it's just too much for him. And now we go to a very touching moment in the episode as Daniel visits Mr. Miyagi's grave. Okay, at first I didn't think it was Miyagi's. See, right after that scene with Johnny, with Robbie, with Miguel, right after that scene and we see Daniel walk to the graveside, I'm thinking, oh, we're finally going to know who Daniel's father is. Well, that would have been in New Jersey, probably. Okay, and then I thought, maybe it's his mother. We haven't heard anything about his mother. So I was even thinking the gravesite was going to be his father or be his mother. Wow. And instead... You were way off. I was completely off. So then when it was Mr. Miyagi, I'm like, oh... I did have a few margaritas before I saw this episode, but it did bring tears to my eyes. Seeing him 
kind of broken right. at Mr. Miyagi's gravesite. Incredibly yeah. touching. And again, I'm not even necessarily pro-Daniel in this moment yet necessarily. I'm kind of more pro-Johnny so far. Right. But still, just knowing the relationship that they had, knowing how Daniel feels about Mr. Miyagi, incredibly touching scene at his gravesite where Daniel sort of has a breakdown. He says, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I feel clueless. He went there to get centered. And it works. But what I noticed from the gravesite, besides all the touching moments that you spoke of, is that Mr. Miyagi was born June 9th, 1925. <laughs> he passed away November 15th, 2011. Lived to be 86 years old. Mm. Pat Morita, born June 28th, 1932. They have them born the same month. Died November 24th, 2005. Died in the same month. 73 years old. Interesting. Miyagi outlived Marita by 13 years. Very interesting. I wonder why they did that. There's got to be something relevant to the storyline in Cobra Kai. I, I know. That's a question for the writer or the show creators or Daniel or someone. I geek out on that kind of stuff. I'm not going to lie. Uh, okay. No, you do notice those things. I often may not notice little things like that. And then Daniel's trimming a bonsai tree. That's right. There's a, a little bonsai tree there at Miyagi's gravesite. That's nice. So I was kind of like, oh, there's just something in my eye. Excuse me. As I was watching this, like, I have to admit. And as Daniel gets back in his car, we have, which I do love about the show when it does this, we have a Karate Kid flashback. Yeah. And you see Mr. Miyagi speaking to Daniel. This is right after he gave him the car and Daniel sat in the car that was his birthday gift, right? Yes. This is that moment. He's talking about lessons about balance. Not just karate only, lesson for a whole life. Yeah. And he's really talking about balance, which goes back to the title of the episode, which is counterbalance. Hmm. And that's what Daniel is probably seeking right now, because like I mentioned earlier, and you alluded to, his life's a little off track. Introduce Johnny and Cobra Kai, and it's frazzled Daniel. Sure. And he's got Last no, from the past. And he's got no one to really connect with. His daughter right now is going through her things. Amanda, his wife's kind of like, just get over this midlife crisis. He doesn't have Mr. Miyagi, and so he's not sure what to do, but coming to the grave helps center him. Now that you mention it, it doesn't seem like Daniel has any buddies or any actual friends, like colleagues that he can confide in or, or have a drink with. No. It seems like in this episode and the next, Daniel's reaching for things, reaching for people. Exactly. And nor does Johnny. To be completely honest. Even less so. They're both very isolated. Sure, because at least Daniel has employees that he can boss around. That's right. And he's got a wife. And he has a beautiful wife. So now Johnny pulls up to the Cobra Kai dojo and students are lined up. I mean, this is like a blockbuster. They're lined up and they're all watching the fight video. Yeah. And Johnny's just like, what is going on? Yeah, he's excited. Miguel tells him, hey, everybody saw the video. Everybody wants to join. And so we're thinking, hey, we're going to get some, some traction here. This Miguel is a hell of a salesman. Miguel is not only kicking ass in karate, the guy's a marketer. He's in real. He built a website. Yeah. He gets in this incredible fight, wins, goes viral, and he's literally brought in, what, 30 students? Yeah. Lock this guy up. He's wonderful. Now at home, Daniel clears his dojo, which had become a storage room. Yeah. And he's putting pictures of Miyagi back on the shelf mm -hmm. and kind of making this that place again where he can start practicing. Yes. Because that's something that's been missing, as we've talked about in previous episodes. That probably was his center. Yeah. And obviously, he trained Samantha for a few years in her youth. Yes. But it's been void 
ever since. He just became busy with his automotive empire is what he did. Yeah. But when Amanda walks by and sees him setting up the dojo, you can tell she looks pleased or she knows that he's starting back on a good path again. Exactly. So he was missing. The karate was what was missing in his life. Yeah. He didn't turn to the bottle. He's not going out late with the guys. Yeah. He's just fixing the dojo and getting that zen back in his life. I wonder if we're going to be getting into at some point how they met. How did Daniel meet Amanda? What was their courtship like? What was it about him that she found interesting in the beginning? Because remember she says, you know, I want the old Daniel LaRusso to come back. Like, so there was a Daniel that was present when they met. Well, he was wooing her probably. I wonder what level he was at in his automotive empire when they met as well. I'd say probably very early. I bet you she was a big part of his success. Mm. Well, behind every great man is a great woman, as the old saying goes. Yeah, and that's Johnny's problem. Yeah, Johnny doesn't have a good woman. He's got he doesn't nothing. have Allie anymore. That's right. Okay, cut to LaRusso Auto, and Amanda's hiring Robbie. Yeah, Robbie's sitting there to get a job at LaRusso Auto. He's got some sort of mocked-up resume, though. Yeah, oh, he... <laughs> he took some liberties. Amanda refers to it as, your high school transcripts are so impressive, and you're like, What? This kid doesn't have any damn high school transcripts. He's skipping months at a time. He probably faked these transcripts like he faked his uniform at that computer repair shop that one time. Right. He's a con artist. Eduardo's uniform. Robbie is a con artist. And that's why at this very moment, I don't really know what to make of Robbie yet. His character will continue to evolve. That's all I'm going to say. So now we're back at Daniel's dojo. It's all clean, spick and span. And he's donning the infamous bandana mm-hmm. from the Karate Kid. Yep. And as we pan out, he's also wearing his gi, which yeah. still fits wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And kind of a Karate Kid theme song starts to play. Yeah. And it's kind of a cool moment. Very cool moment. Because right there is where you're thinking, Daniel LaRusso is back. Or should I say, let me be clear. The Karate Kid is back. There you go. Yeah. That's it. The Karate Kid is back when he puts on that headband, puts on his gi, starts doing some katas. I think he delivers an elbow at the end. He does. And I like the very end tag of the episode. Yes. In loving memory, Noriyuki Pat Morita, 1932 to 2005. Yeah. Very nice. It was a very touching episode with the Mr. Miyagi sequence. And then at the end, when they have the homage, very touching episode. If you're a Karate Kid fan, if you love Pat Morita, this is definitely the first, hopefully of many, homages to Noriyuki Pat Morita. And there was a nice photo of him and Daniel. It's a beautiful shot. Yeah, it's a great shot. There's a sea in the background, these cliffs. Pat Morita looks a little bit older in this, more distinguished. And, and Ralph Macho still looks like a kid. Yeah, it's a beautiful picture. And I love how they put it there at the end. A wonderful send off of that episode, episode five. All right, that concludes episode five. Hopefully you give us a rating or subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast. Anything you want to add? No mercy. No mercy. Well, see you soon. Thanks a lot.